When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. Here we go. Uh, this is technically another episode of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. Uh, brought to you by our good friends over at Breckenridge Brewery. Jesse Montano and AJ Haefeli here. Uh, this is going to be really kind of a bonus episode. Uh, AJ and I are recording this Sunday evening after a full day of talking playoff matchups and all kinds of stuff. Um, AJ, you called me the other day, uh, just to, like run a couple quick things by me, and we ended up staying on the phone for like 40 minutes just talking about <laughs> the league and all kinds of stuff. And... We were just saying, like, hey, let's sit down Sunday night when we've got some time before the playoffs start. Uh, the end of the season is, you know, there, there's so there's so much going on. There's so many Av storylines that we obviously stay dialed into. Um, and then just the way that the NHL did the scheduling this year, like we're jumping straight into the playoffs uh, tomorrow. Uh, the, the NHL playoffs start, so we just didn't really have time to. Like, just debrief about all kinds. Of, this is a crazy season. This is the first 82-game season in, in, you know, two and a half, three years. Um, there's all kinds of crazy stuff that happened. Goal scoring went out of control. And um, I, so I just, I don't know. I thought that you and I would just sit down and kind of remind me of the uh, media school days where we didn't have a ton of sponsors. We didn't really have, like, a length of show that we were dedicated to some were 45 minutes some were two hours uh some had one break some had two music breaks uh, i do miss music breaks man i really dude. they were really nice to have because it's really easy to get caught up in conversation and the flow of things mm-hmm. i really do miss a music break every once in a while where we can just be like hey two minutes reset your brain get water go yeah. to the bathroom like Whatever you need to do, stretch the legs, just two minute break, do it. Well, and, and like, and like there were times like in the media school where, or I mean, like, and even on now, like today's shows where we're like, all right, we're going to talk about these three things. And then we end up just like by the way of conversation, hitting on two of them yeah. or the conversation goes in a different way. And just those music breaks were just nice to like, all right, I know we already kind of talked about that. So let's do this instead. Um, and the show just kind of felt like a little bit more like living and breathing. Yeah. Um, so that's what this is going to be. This could be 40 minutes. This could be two hours. I have no idea. Uh, we'll if know when two, we get If to it's two it. hours, I might be asleep by the end of it. Yeah. 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 yeah AJ's still fighting off 
two straight days of nonstop driving. So yeah. this may just end with me talking at him. Uh, but either way, dude, you and I don't get to just sit down and talk hockey enough. And that's uh, what kind of spawned our, our relationship that has led us to this point where we're now yeah. years later, still doing this uh, for, for a job and, and all that stuff. So I, um, I do think it's great too. And I really loved the idea when you proposed it to me, because if you think about it, there are so many stories around the NHL because we're hyper-focused on the avalanche because the season ended with a back-to-back Thursday, Friday because they start their uh, game. One of their postseason series is on Tuesday. Like the only time that we have off is this weekend and we're Mm -hmm. working the entire, we've worked the entire weekend. Um, and it's, and it's just been focusing on Nashville, Colorado and content for the site and content for the channel and all that. Right. But like, there's so much, there's 16 teams, half the league didn't make the postseason, right. And those are all storylines that are, that have fallen by the wayside. Right. Um, like you guys have been able to touch on some of them during pregame shows. Yeah. But, but like, like, if you go around the league, and before we started, I was like, all right, I've got four things I want to talk about. And you're like, I've got four things I want to talk about. <laughs> and so when we started putting it together, it's like, there's a number of really interesting, and we won't even get to half of the interesting storylines. Is this storyline facing, facing the teams uh, this offseason? Like, this might be the only time that Detroit, Ottawa, Buffalo, and Columbus get mentioned this whole pod. Right. Just now. Right now. That might right. be the last <laughs> time we talk about them the rest of the show. You know, teams like Chicago, New Jersey, Philadelphia, like, there's there will be a time and a place for all of that, but it won't be probably today. Right. Well, and, and like, you know, dude, like, we get into the offseason, and, and there we'll have shows to talk about this stuff, but... um. I really do like to your point. I think there were more interesting storyline storylines this year relative to most. Um, and, and I just want to make sure that we are able to talk about it mostly just cause like, dude, we just love talking about hockey. Like the yeah. best conversations that not just you and I have, but like among the hockey circles are just, you know, off the cuff. <clears throat> what is most relevant? Uh, you know, whatever. And, and so, yeah, that's what we're hoping to get into today. And, and, you know, you just said, we each were like, Oh, I've got four things. And you just said something that made me think of another. I would love to get into Buffalo at some point <laughs> during this conversation. Cause the way they finished the year, uh, but where we'll start or where I want to start. Uh, I got home from our, uh, being at the studio recording all kinds of videos, which should be up, uh, Monday. Uh, and I was like, Ooh, I'll turn on the Seattle Winnipeg game just to kind of get a nice ease into the playoffs. Didn't even realize it happened this afternoon. Uh, so I was just like flipping through channels. Couldn't find it. Uh, pulled up ESPN plus and saw that it had already gone final. Um, that was the makeup game from the gigantic snowstorm that we had in Winnipeg where like we, we bought groceries. We bought a bunch of like dry food. Oh, so this was from just a couple we, weeks ago. Yeah, uh, and this was like the storm of storms that ended up like it. It hurt the areas around the city a whole lot worse than it hurt the city itself. Yeah, 
but like the city like went to sleep for two days and everybody was just like all right we're at home now yeah and uh i'm I'm watching i got nhl network on and they showed the mccarr blackhawks overtime goal like 10 times was that play of the year for the avs uh it was it's it's nhl network has it the number three play of the year in the nhl so i'd have i'd say yeah probably right it's hard to think of one where it was better than that. Uh, for the app, for the app, his it, it didn't end up mattering. Uh, but his work on the give and go, and the goal that he scored in Seattle. Oh, dude, yes. Where he shimmied past two dudes and made the perfect pass and cut to the middle and got the got the the one touch from Kadri and he just right puts it up him. over the shoulder, and yeah. it was like. Every single thing that he just did was the highest caliber of skill. <laughs> like from the part where he keeps the bouncing puck into the zone while yeah. simultaneously shaking the attacking forward, who I think was Donskoy, and yep. then dick uh dipped past the second attacking forward who tried to rub him out on the wall. And like, even like I think he like put to... the puck around him and yeah. like yeah. And he goes, so he goes around and he, he dips past that guy and then he cuts hard to the inside and drops the puck to Kadri and then just walks into the empty space cleaned out by dusting two dudes and then dropping the puck to Kadri where the defender went out. And Adam Larson goes out to like make an attempt to block the shot. Yeah. And Makar <laughs> takes the return feed and just one times it up over Grubauer's shoulder. And I was like, that won't get the love that it deserves but mother of god right all of that was 10 out of 10 yeah yeah especially because they ended up losing like i actually i even forgot about that one but as soon as you said it i was like oh yes that was that was another one that yeah i agreed he was right up there with the chicago one uh i I just i'm curious what what were your thoughts on seattle this year Um, I mean, I think the goaltending betrayed everything. And I don't think either goaltender, I don't think Philip Grubauer nor Chris Dreger are nearly as bad yeah. as what we saw this year. I will say I am a little concerned. Um, I wasn't surprised that it started out rough. Me too. But I, I was, a, I'm a little concerned that it just never improved for Group Hour. Dude, so I, what I was fully expecting this year was, uh, at, at, at like the All Star break, for him to come out of that and just like it clicked, and him end up having this like completely meaningless great finish to the season. Yeah. Um, Buffalo syndrome. Right. Because it was easy to write it off at the beginning. With like, uh, oh, he came from such a great team. This is an expansion franchise that's just trying to figure things out. And I think maybe that was as a whole for Seattle for me this year, where it's just like it never came together. <clears throat> Do you think that start that started in net? Yeah, I just, I just feel like so competitively, we knew they were going to really struggle to score. Right. Like we talked about it in the previews leading up to the season. Who's going to score for that team? They have to win 2-1, 2-2, 3-2 in extra time. Like, they have to be good on special teams because they're not going to be good offensively at 5v5. But it was like they built a good defensive team. 
And what we saw was a team that produced quality defense. If you go and you look at the analytics and you look at the underlings and how everything ended up shaking out for the Kraken, defensively, they were really solid. They weren't great. They weren't high-end or anything, but they were middle-of-the-road defensively. They were very respectable, but they it, 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 it's all undone by poor goaltending. And we're talking about splits, and, and you know, I love looking at monthly splits just to look at trends. For month players. by month, I always yeah. love looking at. How many, how many months this year do you think Philip Grubauer had a 900 save percentage? Just a Ooh. 900. I'll say two. Seven months, seven months in the season, he played at least seven games in every single month. The answer is zero. No way. Not one time broke 900 save percentage. Dude, I thought, I thought you were like, I thought there you were giving me context. Like, well, keep in mind, keep in mind, it's seven months. Like it's a lot of hockey. And and so I, I I thought I uh, did one of those things when you're like, oh my God, guess how many of this? And you guess way over and like the actual answer ends up being disappointing. Holy smokes, dude. He got close. 899 in February. (laughs) Wow. Yep. He... Also, if you look at individual teams, and we're talking about the smallest sample size, we're talking one or two games here. Right. Against individual teams, he only broke 900 save percentage. Against 10 of them. And that's some of these season series. Yeah. This just this year. Just Jeez. just 10, and he played all of them. So, Dude, bad. Just, yeah. It was all yeah. bad, man. There was nothing. You, you, you were right in that he was better post-All-Star. He went from an 887 save percentage and a 309 goals against average to an 892 save percentage and a 327 goals against average. I always, I always really liked Philip Grubauer here. I, I always thought he got like the short end of the stick um, when people talked about him. And I think I thought a lot of people used like the cop out of, oh, well, he plays for a good team and didn't give him anywhere near enough credit for how good he was. Hundred percent. And I was really anxious <clears throat> to see to see him go to Seattle because I was like, well, either I'm going to be proven right or everyone else is going to be, or or at least give the impression that I'm proven right or everyone else is proven right. Mm -hmm. Um, And early returns, especially listen to all that, like not great. That was the part that, that shocked me. I mean, I mean, I I thought their defense was all right. mm -hmm. And their, and their goaltending was good. I I thought they really made some bad selections at the expansion draft in terms of forwards. I thought there was a lot of talent they left out there without going like overboard and killing themselves for the future. And like knowing what we know today, not taking Voracek, not taking Tarasenko. Like, come on. Voracek, Tarasenko, and Duchesne were, were the three for me where I was like, man, you didn't even have to take all of them, but 
Yeah, Duchesne was the one that I could understand being scared about because he had so many years left. For sure. And, like, keep in mind, like, Matt Duchesne had, like, 15 points last season. <laughs> like, right. like, Matt Duchesne wasn't any good in the in the 56-game season. He didn't play anywhere close to all of the games. But his point-per-game production was among the worst of his career. Well, and and, and I so guess... coming off of that, I can understand where they didn't take him. But Tarasenko, you're talking, and Voracek, you're talking, I think, I think Voracek had like three years left on his deal where you could, you could take the chance that he was overpaid, but decent. Right. And you were worried that Matt Duchesne might've actually just been finished. Just and you, you had like six years left on that contract. Right. And, well, and with the other two, you just didn't have that. You could take your chances on them and then. If it went really well, then great. But if it didn't, got him. then you could you could either move on because it was expiring soon, or you were just stuck with a short term bad contract. Right. Like, oh no. Well, and and Ryan Johansson was left exposed as well from Nashville. Um, j- just just a couple weird choices up front. So, like you said, we all knew that it was going to be a struggle for them to like contend. But I just thought between decent defense and two goaltenders that I thought were pretty good. Yeah. Um, I, I well, expected like, much better than what we got. Like, like Adam Larson and Jamie Alexiak were two of the more sought after defensive defensemen from last year's market. Right. Vince like, Dunn. It, well, and yeah, like Vince Dunn, Vince Dunn was a guy that you saw this year, like why he was in demand and why yep. St. Louis was looking to move on from him. You got both. from him but like you definitely you definitely say would they have been better off tarasenko or or vince dunn and you're like come on right easily easily tarasenko right for sure and would tarasenko have had the year the same year without a center like no of course not but come on man like that it, it definitely there was definitely room for second guessing uh, of the expansion draft when it happened. And then when we get to use the power of hindsight, you really look back on it and you're like, you guys really dropped the ball. Right. right. Where well, they and- did make up for it. I thought, I thought Ron Francis had a really solid deadline. Great deadline. Where, where he did a good job of moving what he could uh, and stocking up on a lot of picks. They have four second round picks this year. They have three second round picks next year. And they have extra third round picks next year and in 2024. That's not mm-hmm. to count. They've got six fourth rounders in the next two years as well. So you're talking, they have a six. They have six fourth rounders between, they have three this year and three next year. So you're just talking about robust draft classes for a team that does not have organizational depth. It doesn't, it doesn't exist yet. Right. They have 39 guys on their reserve list. Keep in mind, the max is 90. And while <laughs> nobody ever pushes 90, like it's it just does not happen. Nobody pushes 90. But teams do get up, like, for example, like Colorado is one of the lighter um, reserve list teams around. And they're at 61 guys. So for a team to be at 39, almost all right. the guys in their organization are in are on the NHL team. <laughs> right. So they, I thought they did a great job setting themselves up. 
at the at the deadline for the draft and then how everything kind of turned out at the end of the year the Kraken got a little hotter than they probably wanted to right at the end and they finished 30th yeah well and and now the good thing for them is I believe that's still within the margin to move up to one because you can now only move up two spots yeah so so they can still get to the first overall um and and shit i mean in recent years further down you are the better i guess um yeah it's worked out for non like top odds teams right right but and i guess maybe this carries us uh right into what we're going to talk about next the other team that did that, uh, Arizona. Yeah, I asked Petey in our first Avs Coyotes watch along this year. I said, if Montreal finishes below Arizona in the standings at the end of the season, given where those teams were at the start of the season, if Montreal finishes at the very bottom, which is a. Uh, who had the bigger failure of a year, Arizona or Montreal? And unequivocally, he said Arizona. And I agree with him because Arizona tore their organization to the bare bones, except for the couple of guys that they were asking for the moon for, or the one in Phil Kessel that they just couldn't move at the end of the day because of money reasons. Right. Well, and... It's hard because, like, you sit there with another team that we'll get to eventually, like, and you look at Buffalo, who had such a a great end of the year, and that's an end of the year that you can sit there and say, like, wow, that can really springboard your franchise. Mm -hmm. The Coyotes, like, they played spoiler for a couple teams down the stretch. (laughs) And, like, that's cool and stuff, but with just as much turnover as you are planning on having – how much you are planning on changing this team. I I don't know how much success at the end of the season even does for them, you know, from like a cultural standpoint. Yeah. I mean, you're looking game 82 is a wonderful example. Game 82 meant nothing for them other than feels about last game at Gila river arena before they moved to a college arena. Right. They come back from down for nothing. Who does the goal scoring for them in that game? Like uh, who's who are the guys that 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 ended up in the box score for them? You have Shane Gostaspare scores two yep. goals. Yep. Okay. Alex Galchenyuk has assists on both of them. <laughs> Gostaspare, you could make an argument because of his age and because they have almost nobody else back there that right. Gostaspare played his way into being a long term coyote this year. Mm-hmm. Alex Galchenyuk did not. Did not. Yeah. The the third Arizona goal, Jack McBain. Oh, shit. Jack McBain, who was the prospect they acquired at the deadline from Minnesota. So that's a guy that you want to see. Who assisted on that goal? Antoine Roussel and Louis Erickson. I know Erickson was in there to some extent. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, what? No. <laughs> Travis Boyd, who had like this crazy career year this year, similar to what Lawson Krause did. Depth guys who, when they got top six jobs, put up decent numbers for the first time in their careers, but also showed you that when those guys are in the top six, you finish last in the NHL in goals. Yeah. 
So how do you value those guys? <laughs> Nick Schmaltz. Great had, years like, for them individually, but really teaching right. a lesson. Like Nick Schmaltz was great at the second end of the second half of the season. Nick Schmaltz ended up with 59 points in 63 games, which is where numbers can mislead you a little because he was doing nothing before like January. Right. And had like a 10 game stretch that buoyed most of his production. So you're talking, you're talking, uh, you know, and then, and then guys like uh, Giannis Moser and Nathan Smith and guys like that, where those guys are totally prospects. Those guys are guys that you want to see what's up. Um, and then in net, you know, you have, you have some interesting, you know, they, they, they gave veggie a multi-year deal. They gave uh, Vimelka a multi-year deal. He's and such they, an interesting one for me this year. They claimed Sateri off of waivers. And, you know, it's it, where are they headed, who those guys are. But, like, the end of the year, their success was driven by enough dudes where you're like, this guy's not part of your rebuild plan. Like, he might wear right. a jersey for the next year or two, but this guy's <laughs> not part of it for you. Yeah, and 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 Carl Vamelka was a he was so interesting for me this year because he had some games where it looked like he was the only one out there and he was the only one keeping them in games. Mm-hmm. Um, he did, and then he had some where I mean, the, Nashville. He starts the other night and gives up four goals on his first five shots. Yep. He finishes the year with a 3.68 goals against average and an 898 save percentage with one shutout. He, he like, goes 13, 32, and three. Oh, God. So, like, had you just showed us those numbers at the start of this year, we would have been like, mm, that sounds about right. 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 But going through it, you know, there were stretches. Where In he March, looked really good. 10 games, 10 games in the month of March. He went four, five, and one with a 921 save percentage. He had that's pretty, he that, that's actually a pretty crazy save percentage given that record. Like he had in October and November, he had a 920 save percentage in October, a 913 save percentage in November, a 921 in March. So he had his months where when he played well, he looked like he not only belonged, but like belonged. Right, right, like number one goalie upside. Yeah. And then he had some tough ones. April, he was brutal in April. 865 save percentage at the end of the year, which was the longest year he's ever played in because it was his first year in North America. And both North American seasons, AHL and NHL, are much longer than the European seasons. Mm -hmm. So the fact that he ran out of gas at the end of the year is of surprise to nobody. Right, right. Um, I asked, I asked uh, Alex Newhook about that. This is first full NHL season, how it was, you know, coming from the college game and stuff. Cause that's something that I don't think um, is given enough credit for some of these younger guys who fizzle out near the end of the season. Like yeah. people talk about it, but I don't think quite enough where 82 games is such an, obs- like that's a re- regardless of how you feel about the NHL schedule. Like that is so many games yeah especially compared to like you said europe or any of the you know 
major junior college and that stuff. Yeah. That's so many more games. So yeah, not college, you're playing like 40 games and then maybe right. 10 postseason games. Right. In juniors, you're playing like 50 to 60 games. And if your team goes to the Memorial Cup, then like 20, 25 right, right. postseason games. And that's only those couple of teams. So <clears throat> you're talking 82 games and then trying to go and play, you know, the teams that are that will get to the cup finals will play between 20 and 26 games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's, it's a very real thing that yeah. that you can run out of steam. So, like you said, not not surprising that Vimelka ran out. He was just he was he was an interesting storyline. I'm glad to see they're bringing him back because um, I'm really anxious to see what he can do with a team that isn't actively like Arizona was was actively trying to lose or as close to it yeah. for most of the season and going all the way back to what started this off. Yep. And to PD's point from PHNX, that's why finishing not last is a disappointment because yeah. you tried to. Well, you and when you, you even lose right, when you say, "Oh, they've got three first round picks," yeah, the other two are Colorados and Carolinas. Right, right. Like, there's a so real like, chance that those are the Stanley Cup Finals teams, and those, and you have the last two picks of the first right. round. And then the second pick of the second round. So you make three picks in full. Like, there's a real chance that they have picks 31, 32, and 34 come draft day. Right. Like, it's Which, not... like, that's great. That is great. Like, that's awesome. But Like, their second round picks, you're talking about, they have their own. So, yeah, they're in the money. They yep. have the Islanders. So that's in the top half. They Go also on. have Phillies. So that's right there. And they also have the Sharks. So that's in that's right there. But their their extra first rounders are Carolina and Colorado. Like they're that that's where you're like, okay, yeah, they have the three first round. Now they really want Shane Wright. Yeah. Yeah. You never feel bad about first round picks. It's never a bad thing to have three of them, but context. context yeah. Context. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Totally, totally different feel if those end up as the 30 picks 31 and 32. Right. And uh, and if they like lose the lottery and they get classic Coyotes lotto luck and they end up with like the fourth pick, and you're just like, dude, right? That's, how did this that's, happen? That is where finishing in thirty first will really hurt. Is if they do end up falling the maximum yeah. number of spots. Yep. Because um, it could because it could like, happen. It's possible. It could happen. Yeah. It's, 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 I would even go as far as to say it's likely at this point. St- statistically speaking, I haven't looked at it, this year's odds, but I know that they're pretty good that they don't end up getting what they want. The top pick. Um, AJ, why don't you pluck one off of your, uh, your list of four here that you want to while do? While we're, before? while we're talking bottom feeders. Yes. Um, there's this weird story out of Montreal this year. And like, it, it ended up being a pretty feel good ending of the season in Montreal. Martin St. Louis, was yeah. legit. Cole Caulfield went from having four goals and being the biggest waste of Calder votes or Calder money at the pre- at the beginning of the year to finishing with like a twenty two goal season or something like yeah. It you have to feel great about how it ended in Montreal and be like, yep, they're definitely building in the right direction towards something cool. But I followed just enough Habs fans that I caught 
this weird story about Shea Weber this year. So Shea Weber, he's captain of the team still. Yep. They did not replace him as the C. Uh, there was talks about him, his contract getting moved at the deadline uh, for LTIR space and cap reasons next year. Mm-hmm. Um, is legitimately hurt and is not expected to ever play in the NHL again. And there was this like growing story out of Montreal this season that I kind of just caught my eye in passing that he did not live up to his captaincy duties because he did not speak to the media at any point preseason during season up to any point, as far as I know at all this year. And then when they, you know, when, when Guy Lafleur died, Yep. And the organization was kind of coming together and it was a celebration of great Habs and arguably the greatest Hab of all time. You know, Kiva LaFleur is an iconic, iconic NHL player. And figure, yeah. Yeah, just like like larger than the game, you know, like pre-Gretzky level. Like he was such a huge figure in, in the NHL. And Shea Weber did not go to any of those uh, services, festivities. I don't know really what to call yeah, them. Yeah, what? Because <laughs> um, you know it's like a celebration of life, but you're not like celebrating, right? right. While you're there, yeah. Um, the, yeah you never know, never know what to work. Shea Weber, sometimes. yeah, and Shea Weber was nowhere to be found. And Shea Weber, there was there were some media people who criticized Shea Weber for that. And said, hey, he doesn't owe anybody anything if he wants to go home and we can all leave him be. But if he's still the captain of the organization, he should be here for this. And I thought, I don't know that I disagree. Right. But mainly, why is he still the C? If you know he's not going to play again and you even went so far as to look into trading his contract at the deadline because you know he's done yeah because you know he's finished that he won't play anymore and that his deal is just under eight million dollars for the next four years then why is he still wearing the c right yeah it's it would be no shame on the player to pull the c off and just say hey you're at home now you're not you know anytime you ever want to be part of this you can be but you're Shea Weber, so you want to go home and be left alone, and we respect that. But you can't continue to be the captain, right? Right. What's the what's the term uh, for guys that aren't officially retired, but they are done playing uh, because of health reasons? Doesn't yeah, matter, I mean, you know. The, the, the Ryan Kesslers, yeah, the guys that are Shea on Robidoux Island, right, 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 right. Pavel Datsuk there for a few years, Chris Pronger, yeah. Um, but it, it, I don't know. This is that's a that's a tough one. So I haven't I hadn't actually heard any of that. That's a tough one because you sit there and and part of you says like, well, you don't know what he's going through, right? You don't know what he's dealing with. Yeah. Uh, and like, maybe I have no issue with him going home not, and just being like, leave me alone. Right, right, right. Yeah. But but at the same time, as much as I don't have an issue with that, at the same time. If you are still going to be the captain and and you still have some type of role that you are filling within the organization, then I do think I agree a little bit that like 
cool. If you if you want the title and stuff still, because you haven't decided what you're doing next, then I think you should stay involved with all that stuff. And I think you should have a bit of a responsibility to the team and the city and the fans and stuff. I, I don't have an issue with you not wanting to do all that, but I think you kind of need to pick a lane. Yeah. And when they, when they leave the C on, it puts him in the position where it's like, Hey, you should be present for these things. Right. And so again, like I have no issue with Shea Weber here. I don't think that he nope. asked to have the C stay there. I don't think yeah. he was like, Hey, I'm going home. I'm rehabbing. I don't want to be a part of any of this, but you absolutely cannot take the C away from me. Like, right. What? No, that makes no sense. <laughs> makes no sense whatsoever. Like, could you could you imagine Datsuk going back to the KHL and being like, I want to keep my letter? <laughs> what? You're not here. You're not part of this. What do you you chose to leave? Like right. Well, like, what if I do come back and I want to be the captain again? Then it's like mm, Okay. I, mean, I think you have to stay here. <laughs> like some decisions have to get made here, champ. <laughs> and it just it seemed so odd to me and it's going to be something yeah. that I want to follow into the if they don't move that contract and it stays on their books like do they just quietly remove the C and just be like hey he wasn't here for a year you know like right. days since we last saw Shea Weber in the building well, it has well, now then, reached 400 and then at what point is it like appropriate to rename a new captain which I'm not saying yeah. you have to go do right away but right just... and that was kind of my thing is they knew he wasn't going to play this year he could have gone through this whole season you don't have one right which shows deference and respect to what Weber did for you because keep mm-hmm. in mind like Shea Weber essentially ended his career trying to help drag them to a, to cup, a cup final to a cup yeah. last year. Like he laid it all out there. He gave absolutely every inch that he had to give left in his body. Mm-hmm. Every ounce of NHL hockey that he had left in him, he gave to the, to the Canadians. Yeah. So there's a certain respect that I believe is owed to him, but giving him the, the leaving the C on his chest for an entire year in which he's not there anymore struck me as odd. And I thought it was, it was interesting to see the different media characters kind of form teams and like, where, like I say form teams, but like they just fell on different sides of the conversation, you know? Right. And, and and I didn't, and, and the story, it, what was really interesting to me about it is that it's seemingly any level of juicy drama that happens to a Canadian team ends up blowing up into bigger news because that market freaks out because the passion for everything that happens with all those teams is so high up there. And for Montreal and Toronto, especially that's in overdrive at all times. And this was a story that totally flew under the radar all year. Dude, this is the first I heard of it. And first I heard of it was what, two weeks ago. And I was like, like, oh, I had no idea. And I started like reading into it. There have been some articles written and there have been some tweets. And I was like, oh, shit. what is well, happening here? What and an it, interesting and it wasn't, topic. It wasn't the Carey Price stuff where there was the question of, was he going to come back? Is he right. having it in him? Right. Whatever. Like, the, the, it, it, I think it was pretty well documented from shit. I mean, dude, even going back to last year's playoffs that he probably wasn't going to play this year. They didn't even know if he was going to play in last year's playoffs. Yeah. 
So no, well, that's remember they, they, the season ended and immediately they were like, Carrie price will not play anymore. Shea Weber. You mean? No, both of them. Oh, 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 oh. They, sorry, they, sorry, they sorry. said both. They had yeah. and all of a sudden it was like, how do you guys already know this? And then right. like more stuff came out and you were like, Oh my God, these guys were like the walking wounded in the cup. Final. Right. Right. Like legitimately. Yeah. Like they weren't going to win the cup anyway, but then all these dudes like gave everything that they had to get smoked by Tampa. <laughs> and that's rough. Yeah. Um, Hey, I want to, so, and we can, we can save this cause I'm, I'm positive. This will come up a bunch in the off season, but the whole Arizona arena thing. Um, do you, do you want to mm-hmm. save all of that? I guess, I, I guess I just don't feel strongly about it. Uh, dude. I, I actually, I am one of the people that I, I think it's going to be dope. I think, I think from a media perspective, it's going to ruin all of us because <laughs> the people who go down and cover a game, it's going to be the easiest, like it's going to be right. the easiest access it's uh, getting in and out. It's going to be the easiest building to navigate. It's going to be the closest one to locker rooms. You're not going to have to go down and take an elevator and walk halfway around an arena, mm-hmm. you know, or like, like do the like old white guy speed walk thing or like, right, half, right. like the awkward half jog thing in like formal clothing, <laughs> you know, like where you're because we're always running around after games. So I think it's going right. to ruin the media. It's well, going to be and, the cushiest gig ever. And the sight lines are going to be oh, you're not you're not better. sitting in the top of a building anymore. You're hanging right. out like a, they're going like to the give Eagles. Uh, it's going to be better than the Eagles. It's going to be like what the what it was like at Denver Coliseum with the cutthroats where you're in Dude. like you're in like row 15 sitting at a table. Right. With right. your laptop, like working away, and like the dude next to you is like throwing down popcorn and a hot dog on date night, and you're I, just I, like, huh. As long as they get everything signed off on for the new arena, I think it's going to be awesome. If suddenly, I think they're going to have look- a pricing problem. Uh, do you think, or do you think people will yeah, pay it because, because I think of that, seating so limited? Well, and like, I think they're going to have a hard time building any kind of a base, a like diehard base for those three years. I think the games are going to be away games. Like, I think that a, a road fan, like road fans are going to want to flood that. Like, I know Bla- Blaze is like, I'm bringing all my kids, the whole family. We're getting seven seats, and it's like, all right, if one dude buys seven tickets, that's like a quarter of a section in that, <laughs> in that arena. You know, like it's yeah, it's just if that's one dude, right? And well, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be like what everyone thought Vegas was gonna be, but Arizona yeah, won't be really but, good right away. But terrible, so yeah. the home fans <laughs> won't want to go. And all yeah. the other out-of-town fans will. It's going to be exactly like what we thought Vegas was going to be like their first couple of years. Yeah. Now, and instead, Vegas other, was too good. And the you other know, thing that, I'm, that went the other way. I'm super excited for is they said that they are working with ASU to have a section or two that's like available. Tickets are just for students, and it'll be like a student section. <laughs> you don't think that's cool? I think that's kind of dope. I think it's cool for the ASU students. <laughs> I think that when you're talking about this in terms of what what world are we are we in right now? Like yeah. 
you know, we're talking about an NHL team here. Like, oh, yeah, they're building a bridge with their college campus. Having a student they're, section. Yeah, we're having a student section at their NHL in their NHL arena where you're like, imagine if the Abs and the Pioneers did this. Like, it would be, <laughs> how cool would it be if they built that bridge? And we're like, hey, we have a section just where you guys get discounted tickets. And we think that the arena is big enough. You guys can come in and be like our loudest, most ardent supporters and right. really set the tone for the building. If it was under the guise of something like that, great. I would love that. I think that would be super cool. But in this case, I don't think it's super cool. And it's, it just yeah. comes across as like, what's going on here? This is the this is so weird, man. I, Everything I about do- it is so weird. It's depending on depending on how it ends up actually going, I do think a cool idea that could come out of this, instead of like the outdoor games and stuff, or maybe in you know keep you and I are on the same page. Keep the Winter Classic, find new mm. events for the for the rest of them. I, I like, like my suggestion, man. Make the uh, make the Global Series games outdoors while you're at yeah, it. Yeah, outdoor no, game in Finland. Do it. I think that's phenomenal. Well, but like, I, I don't know. I think it'd be cool to maybe start to your point, the abs and DU play it one game at Magnus a year. Oh dude. Yes. Absolutely. Like, one game I, in a preseason game in Loveland. Yeah. Yeah. Pre preseason game in your AHL building, you know, or whatever, but just like start getting other rinks involved. Um, obviously you couldn't do it cause it's an Olympic ice sheet but like you know using the world arena and shit like that but um but yeah i just think that yeah to do like college campus um yeah du uh you know in minnesota pick any one of the schools uh back east they've got all kinds of options i just think that'd be a ton of fun uh, yeah I'm no sure i love the i summer. love the idea but you and i are you and i are team let people have fun <laughs> and NHL NHL owners are team. How do I make that money? How, how do, yeah, and who's yeah? I don't know how many owners are going to give up a night in their building for a smaller venue, especially if it's like Ball Arena, where the owner owns that building and doesn't lease it. Right, like, he's right, like, right. He's like, this is my building. I'm taking money out of my pocket. My own for pocket. What yeah. reason exactly? Like for funsies? Oh, right. to give the fans an experience. I'm sorry. I pay uh, for a really good hockey team. Right. The experience right. is watching them smoke other NHL teams on a regular basis, you greedy assholes. <laughs> and to which I would just say, <laughs> okay, fair enough. You're right. <laughs> like you have a strong case here. You aren't wrong. Um AJ, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep with the bottom feeder theme here, and this one I, I don't think we'll have a ton to say. Uh, I just want to talk uh, talk about Buffalo a little bit, just because what an interesting year for them. I mean, they went from being like the bad guys of the NHL because everyone's like, oh, they're not letting Jack Eichel have his surgery, and you know, boy, that, did that flip? Yeah, dude. And and I, I think we'll wrap this show up with Vegas, so we'll get there. Yeah. Uh, but the red meat that we're dying to pounce on. <laughs> right, right. But they move they move Eichel out. Um, things kind of remain the same. The return for Eichel was in the moment at least underwhelming. Uh, 
And then Jack Eichel comes back to Buffalo, has just a miserable night. Like the fans make it a miserable night for him. Yeah. The team really like rallied around it. And since that night, dude, like the Sabres have just been like a feel good story. Yeah. Uh, finished right where like the bottom feeding was, I guess you could call you could say gone for this mm-hmm. year uh, as they finished. <coughs> excuse me. As they finished uh, with the ninth worst record in the NHL. And you're like, oh, ninth worst. Like, big kahuna, right? That's a huge deal for them. (laughs) But, like, any progress is something for them to buy into. Yeah. Uh, And, and like, you saw, I think, I think the, the big things that you, you drew out of Buffalo this year, Rasmus Dahlin looked legit. Really good, dude. Like, Went went back to the Rasmus Dahlin that had all of us being like, yeah, this new like era of defensemen is actually going to be the sickest generation of defensemen <laughs> in 30 years. Well, um, it was just like we all we all thought we were going to get this out of Dahlin three years ago. Yeah, we forgot that it's hard to be a 19-year-old in the NHL for right, a bad right. organization that doesn't develop well. Right, right, right. Well, and, and uh, like you said, th- this was one of the few teams coming down the stretch, like they were so far out of it, but this was one of the few teams where I genuinely felt like they were building towards next year. This year, more than any other, we saw like a real split in the league, teams focusing on rebuilding, teams going for it. Like I think there was a pretty stark contrast between the last place team mm, and then definitely. the last playoff team. Absolutely, especially in the East. Especially in the East. And and I think there's so many of those teams that are still focusing on like acquiring assets and draft picks. And while Buffalo is doing that, they so desperately needed uh, a change in culture. And they still do. Jury is still out. But like they needed guys who want to be in Buffalo. And this is something that I'm actually going to circle back to when we get to Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um wanted to be there, wanted to be Sabres, and wanted to, you know, there, there's the thing that is now, you know, it's kind of an unconfirmed report, but it's become famous now with Gabe Landeskog during the 48-point year when word was out, hey, we're moving, we're moving, guys. We're making a change. Oh, this is confirmed. Is it? G- Gabe mm-hmm. Landeskog goes to management and says, look, you got to do what you got to do. It's a business. I don't have a no move, but <laughs> I, I don't. don't I don't want to get my feelings too hurt here, but right, right. I, wrote, I wrote about this in my big feature that I did on Landy, you know, multiple years ago. But no, that right, happened. Right. Okay, that right, like so, that like very real happened, and he talked very, about so, it. Because I'll, I'll dig that piece up for you because he actually goes do. into it. Yeah, he actually please goes do. into it at some length, and it was an interesting conversation. No kidding. So, so I, yeah. I always knew that that was out there, but I, I just I didn't know that it was ever something that like. Yeah, he had acknowledged. I, I figured mm-hmm. it was just something that was out there. So I also apologize to you for not no, reading your piece from a couple years ago. It, um, it, it came out the week that we had uh, that we were switching servers and the website ate six days worth of articles. So yeah. I actually had to rewrite it. No. And it was 5,000 words. Yeah, it was a total disaster. And it also uh, it also happened right around All-Star break when everybody was out, was out doing other things. So I put weeks 
worth of work into it and had like I had something like an hour and 20 minutes worth of interviews that I had done on the oh, piece shit. and like the people like it got read by like 17 people because it was just the worst timing in the world with our well, maybe with we'll our, our website like falling apart that week go search it but, up if you're listening to this go search it up and, and read it on uh it's, it's still there uh it's it's one of the best things that i've ever written and he does go into that topic so so you know gabe landiscott goes to management and says like look i want to be here i want to be part of the solution if you gotta if you gotta do what you gotta do but i'm asking you to help me to let me be part mm-hmm. of the, the the fix and buffalo just didn't have anyone like that that wanted to be part of the fix and they beat jack eichel alex tuck plays a role in that game peyton krebs plays a massive role in that game and suddenly those two guys who came back the other way in the eichel trade have kind of like emerged as two guys that fit the billing of what we were just talking about wanting to be in buffalo and wanting to be part of a change in the culture and a, you know, a a change in the the team's fate. And I I just think it's, there's been such a huge difference in just the way that team looks on the ice. They look like they are enjoying themselves, even though they're not that good. And it led to some really fun wins down the stretch, even with a guy like Craig Anderson and net who also, Mm -hmm. you know, had his own, within the context of like Craig Anderson had his own little bounce back. 40 year old Craig Anderson. Right. Right. Like let's, let's keep in mind here. Like the expectations were low and he exceeded them. Mm -hmm. You know, didn't have like a great season. Like I don't think he's getting another NHL job or anything, but cool that he was fine with just going out and giving it one more kick at the can. Right. I I, I wouldn't be surprised. Prize to see Buffalo run it back with him, but yeah, go ahead. Talking about why I think Buffalo was more fun at the end of the year, like in previous iterations of the Sabres, it was a lot of like high-priced guys that hadn't worked out, a lot Mm. of moves that just the organization made that they just did not, they just did not find success the way that they were expecting with those guys. Look at Buffalo's top six scores this year. Do you know who led the Sabres in scoring this year? Points and goals? Mm, I don't know. I was going to try to take a guess, but... It's Tage Thompson. I should I should have guessed that. I feel like Tage I Thompson with 38 goal season, mind you, yep. finishes with 68 points on the year. But you also have everybody's favorite, oh, he's the worst contract in the league, Jeff Skinner. Finishes with 63 points on 33 goals. And then you keep going down the list. Rasmus Dahlin, Victor Olofsson. So these are are three young building blocks and an old guy that you're stuck with forever no matter what. And then God, I hate that we're at the point where Jeff Skinner is considered an old guy. Yeah, I mean, in NHL terms. No, no, you're right. You're 100% right. uh, Well, I guess he's 29, so... Maybe he's not an old guy, but he's a a guy that we've all given up on as an impact we'll player. And that he, contract is done. That's the, that's the thing, though, is like he's coming off of two years where you're like, what was that? Like, oh, he's right. bad. He's use, He's useless again. And Jeff Skinner had a great year. 
But you keep going down the line here, and there's Kyle Lopozo, all right? Maybe the face of misspent money in in recent Sabres history, okay? So Kyle Lopozo, like, good oh, for what him. what a bad thing to be the face of. Yeah, but then after that, Dylan Cousins and Alex Tuck are your next guys here, and Alex Tuck mm-hmm. in just 50 games at 38 points. And you start to say, oh, those are a lot of building blocks. Right. Like these For are the first these time are, it feels like something's being built. Right. Like Tage Thompson, Rasmus Dahlin, Victor Olofsson, Dylan Cousins, and Alex Tucker, all guys that they're going to build around for the next couple of years. At the end of the year, you had Owen Power come in, who was your number one overall pick last draft, comes in and scores three points in eight games at the end of the season after, after he finished up his college career. While that was going on, meanwhile, very quietly down on the farm, You've got Sabres prospects just ripping up the AHL. Yeah. You go down there and you look at Jack Quinn, who was a big favorite of mine and the eighth overall pick a couple of years ago. Jack Quinn, his first pro season, 61 points in 45 games in the AHL, including 26 goals. He even, he got two, he had two games with the Sabres and scored in both of them. So you're talking, you're talking about like hey, it's easy to feel pretty good about a guy like Jack Quinn, right? But not just not just the top ten pick. You were not uh, back with us yet, but we had a huge draft boner for JJ Paterka out of Germany. He was the guy that we thought the Abs were going to draft when they drafted Justin Barron. Well, he came over, had his first pro year this year. He had a 68 point rookie season in the AHL. So you got J.J. Paterka and Jack Quinn. Like, you start getting into some of this, and you're like, dude, they've got some serious talent on the way. Right, and and what you like about Paterka and Quinn doing that in Rochester is they're doing it together. Yeah. And and you're already starting to build that chemistry, and you're starting to just – again, it just it's a culture thing. Now these are two guys who did it at this level that get to graduate together – and join what is a much healthier, you know, mental group yeah. now than it used to be. You don't feel like you're just going to bring these two guys into a black hole of losing and misery. And um, then you keep the ball rolling. They have three first round picks, right? They've got their own. They've got Florida's. Yeah. And now they have Vegas. Oh my God. Uh, not protected, right? It is top 10. Okay. So we'll see how lotto things go, but either way, you're you're actually if you're Buffalo, you're probably hoping that Vegas cuz you're hoping that Vegas loses the lottery and you just get two top half yeah of the round picks. And you end up you end up with the 16 I think it'd be the 16th or 17th pick. So I think you take that. That's right, that, that's better than Arizona's three first round picks, and then obviously Florida. Right, but 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 like at that point, that one is just a that's just gravy. Yeah, we've already made two top of that. Top, you know, two picks at the top half of the round. Yep, exactly. So I I you're you're feeling like things are moving in the right direction in Buffalo for sure. Mm-hmm. and the, the young guys the young guys are getting a chance they're growing together they're playing together 
and you don't just feel like, okay, well, we got we drafted Jack Eichel, now he's the savior. We drafted Sam Reinhardt, now now he's mini savior. Like you've right. got all these guys that that have help in each other. They've done a good job of drafting. They can they can just eat the fact that Casey Middlestad is still just not getting it done. And they just move on. Okay, well, hey, some things haven't worked out in the past, but we might have hit on several of these picks in a row now. We should have known with the pull-up. We should have known it wasn't going to work. Yeah, I mean, Sam Bennett's bad too now. (laughs) Remember, he he was so good to start the year in Florida, and everybody was like, They did it again. Pull-ups don't matter. And then he had a bad second half of the year, and they were like, the pull-ups told us. (laughs) because <laughs> that's how confirmation bias works it's of course uh aj what, what was it you had a you had another really good one on your yeah. list that i had so trending in the right direction buffalo trending in yep. the wrong direction the winnipeg jets yes yep. who yep. finished yep. the regular that, season yeah. today and boy did they all have something to say about it mm-hmm so lots of talk about Mark Shifley, lots of talk uh, about Blake Wheeler, but Mark Shifley today, after they got done, Mark Shifley said, let's talk about it, says that he's going to have a tough conversation with general manager Kevin Day off tomorrow, uh, which is which will be Monday, so if you listen to this on Monday which you will today that's today that they <laughs> that they had their man standoff in his office their man um, off. yeah exactly uh <laughs> shifley shifley emphasized he needs to do what's best for uh his career he feels like he's in the prime and he has to make that count he says he is likes he winnipeg UFA? he is not he says he likes winnipeg but he needs to know what the vision is he ne- he needs to hear from the team on the direction that it's headed and says that there's plenty of internal ownership on his own part that he he has to take and that he has plenty of room to improve, but absolutely is going to consult with his agent and his family and take a look around and see what might be best in his future as... Mark Shifley has been really painted as a big part of the problem there. And I think scapegoated as a fall guy for the Mm -hmm. failure in Winnipeg this year. And I think there's some, there's some merit to that, but I also wonder how the captain of the team and Blake Wheeler continues to get off scot-free here. He Mark Shifley strikes me as one of the classic cases of everything that you just said. And then he's going to go somewhere else and be dope. He is still, I mean, he has been a really good player for the Jets. It's just right. this year was a total mess for them. Not to oh. be lost, not to be lost in the Mark Shifley stuff. Paul Stasny, pending UFA, who has, who was famously part of a locker room fracture at the end of his St. Louis tenure. Uh, actually jumped in on a question directed at Blake Wheeler today. More of my theory that Blake Wheeler just gets protected by all the people around him. And Paul Stasty said, we've got to be held accountable, whether it's player on player, and we've got to have more respect for each other. 
when you don't have that, when you don't care about the teammate next to you potentially, and you just care about what you're doing or certain individual things that starts bleeding into the game. Stasny then on went on to talk about Bruce Boudreaux in Vancouver, who publicly called out multiple players this year as part of their turnaround and also mentioned Daryl Sutter's hard-nosed approach in Calgary as something that was needed in Winnipeg when talking about accountability. So, loyalty loyalty has been a big thing with the Jets because, let's be real, Winnipeg is not like a hot destination in the NHL. So, when guys (laughs) are willing to go there, the organization really does bend over backwards to try and convince them that that's a place that they're valued and loved and respected and wanted to be. But as a Jets fan hilariously pointed out in the athletics fan satisfaction survey that was conducted over the weekend, Paul Maurice had to fire himself because the loyalty branch was extended too deeply. Yeah. It's one thing to be loyal. And I have a fiance who's a Jets fan, as everybody knows. So I I'm I keep a close eye on the Jets. I, I watch a lot of them. I talk about them a lot with my better half. So this isn't coming from a super outsider perspective, but what I've told her is that the Jets remind me a lot of the Colorado Rockies. Uh-huh. A lot of talent, a lot of misguided loyalty a lot of personality problems. The intentions are there. They're well-intentioned mistakes, but the lack of learning from what are clearly mistakes only be only to be repeated and repeated and repeated. And it'll be interesting to see if Kevin shovel day off survives this summer uh, or if they decide to really root out and go a different direction and bring in fresh voices because they have not done that uh, at really any level of their organization. Paul Marie stepped down. They replaced him with Dave Lowry, who'd been longtime assistant. Um, does this, does this Winnipeg team, AJ, because like you just said, like you, you are at, at, at the very least somewhat familiar with this team. And I would probably even say a little bit more than that. Yeah. Do do you think that they are at the point where they kind of need a little bit of like what the Denver Broncos are going through right now, where it's just like, we need new voices at every single level. We need new GM voices. We need new coaching voices and we need new player leadership. Like, I'm not saying you have to like tear it down, get rid of every player and start over, but like maybe it is time to move on from Shifley from Wheeler. Uh, You know, like you said, Paul Maurice is out. I think they finished the year on an interim coach. So get, you know, get a new coach in there, get a new GM in there and just change, change what the jets are about because they've tried to be like the big nasty tough to play against jets and it's like yeah dustin bufflin left a few years ago like Mm -hmm. no one's afraid to go into winnipeg anymore yeah i think uh, i think that they continue to struggle with so there's so many dynamics at play here and i don't know how many of them i'm really comfortable getting into publicly um because there are some things that 
really they've got they've got a Blake Wheeler problem uh, as the captain, and Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley are have been like best pals, right? And have kind of gotten away with whatever they've wanted, and they've kind of dictated whatever they've wanted. Uh, they want to play on a line together. They want to do whatever they want. This guy to be their line mate, whatever, right? They kind of got a lot of that stuff during uh, during Maurice's uh, tenure and then to an extent with Lowry as well, which is what Paul Stasny was talking about with accountability, that there are some guys that have been above a little bit of uh, some of it at times. And it's interesting um, because you, how do you fix that? How do you have a team with that much talent perform, underperform that badly? Right. Well, because and, it's not and, a team lacking talent. Goalie. I mean, you're you're wasting the primes of you have you have Pierre Luc Dubois, you have Nikolai Ehlers, you have Kyle Connor who just scored 47 goals for you. Right. You have Mark Shifley. That's four like legit studs at forward. And then you have pretty good players now, albeit overpriced at this point in Blake Wheeler. And then you have a solid vet guy in Paul Stasny. And before the deadline. They they had Andrew Cop, like they that was yeah. a good team that had a really good competitive top nine. Their fourth line was garbage, but their top nine was good, like quality. Yeah. They had a decent defense that Brendan Dillon, Nate Schmidt didn't really change it too much. Um, yeah. They overplayed Nate Logan Schmidt. Stanley because he's he's just really big and that's what they like. And <laughs> Billy Hainala and Dylan Sandberg got underplayed because Logan Stanley is six foot seven, and that's what they valued. And Connor Hellebuck had like a solid year. They got a dream season out of Eric Comrie. There's no way they could have expected Comrie to play as well as he did. And they actually screwed it up so badly with Comrie, they underplayed him and made him a free agent on accident. Um, he needed to get to a certain games threshold and didn't make it. So now he's a free agent instead of being an RFA and them getting to keep him on the cheap. That's how badly mismanaged they were this year. So you're talking, they need new voices in leadership. They absolutely need a head coach that, and, and if they go and they, they get Pascal Vincent and he's a name that to keep an eye on there, if shovel day off remains as GM, you have to, you have to think that a, a Pascal Vincent is a, as of as their former Manitoba Moose head coach who moved on to other opportunities coming back into the fold. Right. Yeah. Um, you, you need, you need to maybe stop some of the nepotism here. The, you know, <sighs> Dave, Dave Lowry, by the way, is the dad of Adam Lowry. Who's their three year, their, their three C who they just signed to a five-year deal. And Pierre-Luc Dubois dad just, FYI is an assistant for the Manitoba Moose in the AHL who share the building with the Jets. Right, right. Both teams play out of the same same building. So they're all there together. It's a whole family affair the whole time. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like that. A lot of changes need to happen there. Here, yeah, I was going to. So I was just about to say, hearing you (laughs) lay all that out and just remind yourself. I mean, there was a lot of people who coming into this year thought that this was like a, I mean, like a contender, like they had the personnel to be very, very good. And and just so they have so many problems that it's hard to just pinpoint, ah, they've got to fix this. Like, like they've, they've got a lot of things they've got to uh, change and, 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 and be better on. Um, 
Let's talk about the Isles and then wrap up with uh, with Vegas and then jump out of here. For what it's worth, Shane Wright just scored in overtime to end the Oshawa Generals season, and uh, Oscar Olison will be reporting to the Eagles yeah. this week. I was going to say, look out. That's awesome. Just well, as the not Eagles awesome that they lost, but... begin their postseason series against Henderson. That'll be a nice little boost for them. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming you're going to get Logan Thompson and Nett, so any, uh, any help you can get shooting. Uh, and uh, Oscar Olison can definitely shoot with the best of them. Uh, we this is another one we don't have to spend a ton of time on. Uh, but this was just outside of Vegas, maybe my biggest surprise in terms of where they ended up finishing. Um, New York Islanders, two straight years trip to the Eastern Conference final. Everything went wrong this year. Yeah, um, I'm really kind of just binning this season. Um, they yeah. had some oh, for really... Sure. What was that? What? I guess you didn't hear any of that. <laughs> I don't know what program would have caused that noise, but that was real weird. Ghost in the new house? I guess, man. Um you start out on this giant road trip, right? Because your building hasn't been finished being built yet and you don't play well on it. Now you don't, they don't, it's not like they had to do the whole road trip at the same time. They had a couple of multi-day breaks, Mm -hmm. but you're talking beginning of the year. You're essentially away from home in a meaningful way for the first month. Uh, I think it was the first 13 games of the season. Uh, They were on the road. Then you get home and you don't play well. Well, you're finally right. home. Well, you don't play well. Uh, and it was just too much to come back from. Ultimately, they just they dug the hole too deep on themselves. And to be honest with you, they never really got going the way that you would expect. And right. in, in the East, there also was the top eight teams clearly separated. And none of those teams had such a prolonged struggle so as to maybe open up the possibility that a team like the Isles could believe in making a run. That's a great point. Because we're talking six weeks before the end of the season, they were showing graphics of, here's the Eastern Conference playoff race. Right. And it's Columbus and the Islanders, 14 points back of Washington. And you're like, They've got 18 yeah. games left. This is done, dude. Like Right, right, right. They're not they're not picking up a point per game on the caps. And so you have eight teams that clearly separated, but also eight teams that avoided the typical slumps that you get out of seven and eight seeds in conferences. Right. Look at look at how Nashville and, and Dallas finished out west this year. And, and how and Vegas finished Van- out west. How it allowed Vancouver to climb back in. That's a great point. I never thought about that. Exactly. So that they never, the Islanders never felt like the door was open for them to really make like a true run. I don't think that they ever closed within 10 points um, unless there were games played considerations. Cause I know at one point I looked at it and I was like, dude, they're only like however many points back. And there was Mm -hmm. like five games in hand involved. And you're like, okay, so this isn't real. Right, 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 right. And 
so you're you're talking <laughs> they never they never got anything to really believe in even when they did start to play better and they did turn it around um varley varley might have been the hardest luck loser in the nhl this year because Ilya sorokin was great and neither one of them could get any goal support but like if you go and just look at varley's record and you and you look at like was was varley vintage varley no right like he just was not as good as we have seen him in his career but at one point he was like he'd lost like seven seven starts in a row like he he struggled so badly and finished 10 17 and 2 on a 9 12 save percentage and it's like was he really that bad? He had right. a 552 quality start percentage. Which does not tell you that's not a guy that should be losing well that over half game. of his games. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So you when you talk when you talk about the season that they had, like just a hard luck season, just a really tough go. They really just nothing went their way this year. Um, Matt Barzell is, you know, if you think about the Islanders, you think Matt Barzell's the guy, right? Tied for the team lead in scoring this season, but only scored 15 goals. Right. Well, it's just it, it's it's stuff like that where it's just like there were so many so many things that happened there where it's just like you you have total faith that that won't repeat itself and that this was just one of those years where they got behind the eight ball and just spent all year chasing and because of that we're never able to really settle into who they are and what they've done so well i, I mean like they've been like like defensive juggernauts under Barry Trotz and Matthew Barzal has been electric Semyon Varlamov has been so steady behind that good D mm-hmm. and just so much of that was like, eh, this year it wasn't bad. Just, eh. And, and you make a great point of like, they got behind and then they've never had any reason to believe that they wouldn't be behind. And that's, yeah. that's a really hard blanket to play under. And they they had like like their top pairing Ryan Pulak Adam Pellick Ryan Pulak missed thirty games this year in the middle of the season like he he was injured and then they have like some of their big guns like Anders Lee didn't get going until like February right you know and he finished with with twenty eight goals but only eighteen assists like you need more out of a guy making seven million dollars but. Right. They they had some big steps uh, step steps taken by younger guys, but like major injuries to both Scott Mayfield and Ryan Pulak really hurt the defense, which meant that more Andy Green who's washed and more Zdeno Chara who's washed, and like it sucks to say because everybody loves the big loves Big Z Zdeno Chara is right. awesome, he's like this weird like freak of a human being. And he's in like inc- phenomenal shape. Yeah, yeah, who's like in amazing shape, but is just not good anymore in the NHL. He's just ineffective. Uh, he was bad on a on a defensive a team that should have should have been able to isolate 
his skill set and and make him interesting. He was just bad. He was bad yeah. this year for the yeah. Islanders. And look, like the guy's in his forties. Like he's forty four years old. Like let it be. Right. Right. So you had some you had some things that you think okay, well maybe maybe next year if they if they don't bring back Chara and they don't bring back Andy Green and they they move away from some of the really old guys and they give more minutes to Noah Dobson who rocked this year. P.S. Mm-hmm. If you're in fan if you're playing fantasy hockey, Noah Dobson, you're <laughs> welcome. You are welcome. He blocked. He scored 50 points this year. He was very good on the power play, and he blocked 150 shots. If that doesn't help you out a ton in your fantasy league, you're probably in a shitty one. Yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> dude. That's a yeah. That's a great. Uh, I'm looking forward to all the tweets that we get next, uh, late next summer or next <laughs> yeah. fall. Like, I yeah. drafted Dobson in my fantasy league. I've had this bookmarked for six months. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> I, like, they things just didn't go great for them. Um, it's a, it's too bad. But some every single year, every single year, there are a couple of teams that we think are going to be shoe ins for the postseason or you think are going to be at least be in contention and they, they somehow miss. And this year it was Vegas and it was the Islanders. And, and the Islanders aren't like the jets where they need to, you know, they're going to have to like, you know, have a come to Jesus, look in the mirror. No, they don't have a culture problem. They just, they just had a, they had a disastrous season that involved multiple team legends also dying along the way. It was, it was just that kind of year for the Isles where you were just like, we just get this over with. This year's bullshit. Everything, everything sucked. Everything went bad. It was the most uh, 2020 energy imaginable for the Islanders. <laughs> AJ, we're at a, an hour 20, and you said if we got to two hours, you'd be falling asleep. So I don't want that. Uh, so let's wrap this up, dude, with with what, what actually – Yeah, what, what started the, the idea behind this uh, Sunday bonus pod was – Oh my God, we have so much to say about Vegas, and I don't know if we're going to have a show to say it all. Um, holy hell, man, what a year for Vegas. It's maybe one of the most interesting teams to follow this coming off season because... Where they're at salary cap wise, they are going to have to subtract. Um, this is the first time we've ever seen them fail to reach the postseason. So, how does ownership react? Uh, how does management react? And they have a second round pick. That's it. They have a third round pick from the Rangers. Uh, and then they have late rounders and, and it's just no like, first, no first, no third, uh, no, not their own third and no fourth this year. So they're not, they're not drowning in assets and their best prospect at this point is Brendan Brisson, who they just signed out of Michigan, right. who, uh, we'll see in the Eagle series this weekend. Like we'll yeah. see, we'll see how he does, but, um, Hard to envision him being a difference maker for them next season, uh, but might be a guy that could contribute. So 
I only interrupt just to say, no, no, no. Help isn't coming internally. Right, right. And, and, and that's part of what makes this team really interesting. And, and I know everyone's kind of got their own theories on what went wrong. For me, man, I, I really do. And it's part of the reason why I think this is going to be such an interesting offseason. Part of what I really do believe went wrong for Vegas is it's, it's been too much change in too little a window. You've well, removed major, major. Right. Right. Shiny right. toy syndrome. Yep. Oh, Alex Petrangelo's on the market. We got to go get that guy. Fuck Nick Schmidt. <laughs> we got to go get that guy. Oh, Jack Eichel's on the market. We got to go get Jack Eichel. Yeah. Whatever it takes. <laughs> oh, my God. Mark Stone's available. I want that guy. Right. Oh, my Max God. Max ready. Dude, you're telling me that Max Pacioretty's on the market. I got to go get that guy. Like, Holy shit, dude. Like, you hollowed out your whole organization for those dudes. And we're not even going to talk about the Tomas Tatar fiasco where they traded first, second, and third round picks and then moved on. Moved on. Because he was such a nightmare in Vegas. Well, and and they they, they also tried to do um, Eric Carlson. I think that's the only one that they didn't land. Uh, They tried to do Ryan Getzlaff, too. Yep, try to do Ryan Getzloff. And like, look, man. They tried to do Taylor Hall. Taylor Hall said no. Taylor Hall said no. Yeah, that. Look, dude, like, they have really good players. Very skilled, very talented. And, you know, you you were talking about today during our video series and stuff that that if you're going to win in the playoffs and if you're going to get to the playoffs, you need the high end talent. Cool. Mm -hmm. Check. But I think one of the other things that we have talked about completely inadvertently, this was not like meant to be the theme of this show or anything, but with a lot of these teams, Arizona, Buffalo, you know, we just talked about it with Winnipeg at at length culture. So important, dude. There is something to be said for having that right mix. Mm -hmm. And like, look, man, I, I, I think, it's going to be interesting because I just think Vegas has messed with it too much. And now it's about how do you rein that back in? Yeah. How do you, how do you put the toothpaste back in the tube? Seriously. Because you know, you, (laughs) you had a wildly popular Mark Andre Fleury as the face Mm -hmm. of your franchise and you stab him in the back. You do him dirty. Yep. You've done everybody dirty along the road. The the Gerard Gallant. Gerard Gallant. It doesn't even do, go back to Vadim Shipachev. Do you remember they they signed Vadim Shipachev, who was one of the most sought after KHL free agents? He comes to North America, coming off of a huge season in the KHL, signs with Vegas. He's actually the second guy to ever sign with Vegas as a free agent. Do you remember who the first was? Just out of curiosity. Uh, it was um. The kid from the Wheat Kings. Oh my God! Uh, and and he's and he's got a name that, like, even kind of goes with Golden Knights. Uh, he was he, Reed Duke. <sighs> yeah. Thank you. So anyway, Duke. Um, yeah, that was. Point point is they do Vadim Shipachev dirty. He plays in three games for them, and they send him to the AHL, and he's like. Uh, no offense, but 
I didn't just turn down millions of dollars in Russia to come over to North America and have you guys send me to, at the time, the Chicago Wolves. Right, right. Like, no, I'm not. And they terminate his contract. Well, then who is who is the other Russian, uh, uh, Gusev? <clears throat> little different draft pick. Yep. Um, had a little but someone more... that came over that ended up moving. Yeah. Um, and a little bit different. They gave him the contract so that he could become a free agent and. Mm-hmm. That was a little different, but with Shibachev, they did him pretty dirty, and we don't know if he would have been any good or not, but they gave him three games before bailing on him. Yeah, so, but now we'll never know. <laughs> yeah, exactly, because he was like, I'm never going back. He was like with right. what how Andre Murnoff felt about the ads. He was like, oh, no, right. I'm right. never going back to North America. Bye. Yeah. And yeah. bailed. And so, like, it started, like, they, they made it three games into their existence before they turned on a player. And, and, and honestly, and they've it, never they've never changed their their mo. They've never gone back. They've never built the bridge. They've never done anything other than have an absolute cutthroat approach to mm-hmm. player acquisition. And they they turned on guys. They lot they moved guys in callous ways. Like how is it that you don't tell Mark Andre Fleury what's happening? How is it that you right. don't tell Nate Schmidt what's happening? Just basic respect, man. Right. If this if these things were allowed and we traded you to CHGO to go cover right. the Blackhawks next season, yeah. I guarantee you I would have I would be having the conversation with you of like, hey, this is something that's happening. This is right. something that we're working on. I want to put this on your radar as a possibility here. I'll let you know if it comes to fruition and not have you find out on Twitter that we traded you to go cover the Blackhawks. Right. Like, right. How is that not just basic human respect, man to man, person to person? Well, and, that and you do it not just once, but you do it to a face of the franchise, Mark Andre Fleury. Yeah. But you do it multiple times to coaches and players, and it's just like you just haven't figured this out, or you don't think you need to. You think that this is a fine way to operate because right. this is the business and this is your approach to it. Fine, but don't be surprised when people figure out that this is how you feel. Right. And, and, and I do think that like, look, cause there's, there's been a lot of like dissecting it, like, Oh, what happened? And, and like the injuries, no doubt, like they's dealt with brutal injuries. hundred percent could not, that organization could not catch a break when it came to injuries, but some he, of it, they made worse because they lied about Robin Leonard's bullshit for three months and right. wanted to be like, man, the media doesn't know anything. And it's like Robin Leonard is held together by tape at the end of the season. Right. Like duct tape is keeping his body put together. And you guys have screwed up your cap so thoroughly that you're asking a guy who needs surgery on multiple parts of his body to be a backup in game 79. Right. Right. Because of cap implications. Right. Are you kidding me? And, and dude, my, my other thing with the injuries was like, they were bad. No doubt. But when it got to the point when th- that first time they dropped out of the playoff picture, they still had Jack Eichel, Alex Petrangelo, Jonathan Marchessault, William Carlson, and at that time, Riley Smith and uh, uh, Chandler Stevenson all in the lineup. Yeah, no Stone, no Pacioretty, no Alec Martinez. Absolutely. That's, Important that's a big absences blow. if you're chasing a cup. Not right. wild card two. Right, right. And and the fact that that group couldn't scratch together the effort 
to win two more games tells you that there is something beyond injuries and on-ice personnel that is a real problem there. Yeah, 100%, man. Who, who, so we were talking about Buffalo earlier. AJ, to you, who is like a golden knight? They are, you know, through and through. They are in Vegas. They are, they want to be part of Vegas. And, you know, who, who is that? And does it just feel like a hired gun, like, like a mercenary there? I would say Jonathan Marcheseau and William Carlson. So Marcheseau was my one guy. But like even those two, do you feel very safe about <laughs> being there from one day to the next, given the way they've handled all that stuff that we were talking about earlier? If I'm Jonathan March, so no. If I'm William Carlson, yes, because my contract <laughs> is suddenly a huge problem. So yeah, that would be about <laughs> it. But like if I'm Jonathan March, so no. Wait, 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 wait. So you're not worried if you're Jonathan March or so? I'm not, uh-huh. but it looks like the Jets just gave Shevin, Kevin Shevel Day off a three-year extension. Mid-show. Shut up. Says it has not yet to be confirmed, but. Dude. All right. Scrap that part of the show. <laughs> Let me just go back and say, whoops. And also, what? And girl, bye. Yeah, so so much for sweeping cultural changes. Yikes. Holy smokes. That is shocking to me. I'm. That's one of those ones where, like, if, you, if, if you're Kevin Shovel Day off, like, how do you say no to more job security, right? But, like, to, to the point that you said someone made with Paul Maurice, it's like at a certain point, you've got to step back and look at this and be like, Yo, this isn't working for me. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, there's only 32 of those jobs on Earth, so I, I get why no one's rushing to get rid of to to leave one. But sure, I mean, he he could make and like an organ. Nobody loves to recycle failure fa- failed tenures more than NHL teams. But he could at least be like, look, I built those good teams. Things obviously didn't go well at the end, but. I drafted almost all those guys. Right. Yeah, you got enough there to sell yourself on. Yeah, absolutely. And be like, look, man, I'm I, I helped build the development pipeline that started churning out quality goaltenders left and right. Like I I helped build, you know, the organization that 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 went as deep as it ha- ever has, you know, went to a conference final. Yeah. Like, hey, I, I it's not been a total disaster here, but then they're going to be like, all right, tell me about that. The, the, the end there. With your culture. What happened there at the very end? Yeah. Like what, what went sideways there? And it's like, well, how much time you got? Yeah. Uh, well, so let's, let's, that's, wow, that's shocking to me. Good, that, that's also good timing that we were able to address it on the same show and not yeah. put this out and then have it be For sure, out of date. Um, Vegas. Yeah, dude, I just, I, 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 so were you saying that, yeah, so Marsha so should feel safe, but like, you know, should Riley not feel Schmidt, safe. He shouldn't, oh. he should not just because he's got, and he makes enough money and it's short term enough that it's movable. Whereas I don't yeah. think William Carlson is movable right now. 
Okay, okay, I got gotcha. you. And that's the only and and Marchessault and both Wild Bill should feel safe because I don't think they can go anywhere. I don't I, I don't think the juice would be worth the squeeze on moving either one of them. So I doubt yeah. I, I think they they're both fine. But should they feel safe on a personal level, knowing that everybody right. that they've built chemistry with over the last few years has gotten jobbed by that front office? Hell no. Nah. Right. Right. And that's, and that's more of the point that, that I'm making is just like, cause I think you're right. You know, those, there are guys there who, when you really step back and look at it, it's like, yeah, that's, you're in a good situation, but yeah, they just, they, they've burned a lot of bridges. Uh, I mean, shit, they, they, they burned Mark Andre Fleury's bridge twice. Uh, and, and it's just become this really weird, like, dude, I, I remember, there was this one tournament in particular. We were in Mississauga, Ontario when I was growing up. And, you know, you know, big international tournament, teams from all over the place. And the team that ended up winning it was this one team that everyone knew. And, and there were, you know, a few teams like this. And, it, you know, big national tournaments, you always see this stuff. But they were literally a team, 100% of kids from all over the U.S. and Canada. Um, you know, at most there was like, these two kids are from the same city. Other than that, like you looked at their roster and the kids are just from all over the country and they actually ended up winning that tournament. And I remember we were watching the championship game and final horn sounds. And they all just like very calmly rolled over the boards, high fives in the line and stuff like that. And I remember my dad sitting with me and he was like, man, that, that, that kind of sucks to see. Cause had that been you guys, you guys would have been pouring over the bench, you know, jumping, screaming, hugging, all that stuff. And the, right. And there's a level of that, that like you get away with it when you're younger because guys that are just better, like there is that at the youth level where it's just like, yeah, that, yeah, those guys are just better than our guys. Mm-hmm. And so you get away with it there, but like, that's kind of what Vegas reminded me of this year is when those games were really meaning something down the stretch and they had to have the win, they just like, no one can score a goal for Logan Thompson. Over 17. 17 guys yeah. can't gut, you know, can't, can't just force one to go. Yeah, several of them over three. <laughs> right, 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 right. You can't, you can't will ridiculous. Uh, you know, a, a, a puck into the net for a teammate. It just didn't seem like any of those guys were out there for each other. Yep. And I've talked about this with the abs over the last couple of years. One of the most underrated aspects of Colorado's resurgence has been fun. Yeah. They like playing hockey together. They like, I mean, how much better, how much better is our coverage today than it was a couple of years ago? Because now we have people that get along. Right. Right. Imagine any, imagine any workplace people, people that like spending time together that want to be there with their coworkers. All of those places are going to be more productive than the places that are. I'm just here to, I'm just here to get paid, man. I'm here because I'm, I have to be, I'm here because of whatever, like, we're doing right. this show literally for fun on a Sunday night when we are we are about to embark on a two month adventure 
Right. We hope we hope two months in which we don't have days off for the next eight weeks. Right. We're not going to be sleeping. It's going to be we're going to be in different cities. It's going to be on the road constantly. It's going to be four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. You know, it's it's our life, and here we are because we just like what we do. Right, that's right. Because we that's just, just that's just culture. Yeah. That's yeah. what it is. That's that's culture. That's having fun, enjoying enjoying what you're doing, being where you are, your station life. You're just enjoying it. And I can only imagine having not been a pro athlete. I can't personally speak to it, but I can only imagine that that feeling is more enhanced when your job is literally to play games. Right, right. That well, fun dude, that- is a huge part of the success. It's a huge part of the equation. If you aren't having fun, you don't want to be at work. If you don't want to be at work, you're not going to be nearly as quality of an employee as you otherwise could be. It's the Herb Brooks, Herb Brooks line, right? I'm not looking for the best players. I'm looking for the right ones. Yeah. And like, yeah, sometimes you find some pretty dope players that also end up being, you know, the right mix. Um, but to me, Vegas has kind of deployed the mindset of, I'm looking for the best players, not the right ones. I'm looking it's for the like, best player. I'm looking for the best players and only the best players. And now I have a I have a roster that needs major upheaval in the offseason because it's just not good enough. And oh, by the way, I am starting the offseason a million dollars over the cap. Right. Whoops. Right. And like, okay, so they trade of getting to Dadanov. All right. You 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 have again. figured out which teams are not on his no trade list. And you have found a taker amongst <laughs> them. Like, congratulations. That's another one we didn't even mention. Yeah. About. Oh, we didn't. We, we didn't really did dirty. not. We didn't even come close to a comprehensive list of 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 things in which they have done people dirty. We haven't even. Now, we yeah. we didn't even come close to making that a comprehensive list. So, um, they their off season is going to be fascinating because they've got to they've got to do something. What I want to know from you, we don't have to get into all the specifics because there's tons of different angles to it. You know, how like Nick Waugh is, a, is an RFA and he's coming off a 15 goal, 39 point season. I don't know how they afford that guy. Right. Um, but I, what I want to know from you is does Robin Blenner ever play another game for Vegas? So, God, and see, dude, this is the stuff sometimes where I'm just like, Cause I was going to add to that on top of all their other issues. Now you don't even know if Robin Leonard's coming back. If, if I had to, you know, bet on it, which I absolutely will. If I can, no draft Kings, give me that prop. Yeah. yeah. I I don't think he does. Okay. So then they have to move him. Yep. And his three years at $5 million. Now at age 30, that shouldn't be the hardest thing to do. Although he will be 31 by the start of next year. Still a good goaltender. Still a quality goaltender when healthy, but obviously a very high profile falling out here in Vegas at the end. Right. You also, they also have Brossois on the books for 2.3 million next year. Just for, just for the one year. So they could find a taker for that if they wanted. And then, obviously, Logan Thompson has been lights out at the end of the season. They got him on the God-tier contract. 766 k for the next three years. Right. Um, but if they decide 
to move on from Robin Leonard. You don't just go, okay, well, Logan Thompson's it. Right, right. You have to, like, where do you go? Like, do you get Varley? Do you, do you, do you want to know who Nico I think it's Koskinen? Gonna be? Like, which guy be... on the carousel do you land on? I think it's going to be Ville Husso. I think they're going to stick to there. We're just going to go get whoever the best the guy out there is. shiny toy. The new shiny toy. Yep. Yep, yep. Especially and I think, true if Ville Husso wins a playoff round or two and the Blues have any kind of a meaningful run. Yep, because... They wouldn't Lewis, just trade Robin Leonard for Jordan Bennington one for one, where you're just like, ah, fresh start for both guys. Well, I, I honestly, I think the biggest issue is I, I, I don't... St. Louis, I think, is going to have a hard time keeping Husso unless they can find a taker for Bennington. I, I just have a hard time believing Huso is going to stick around for at best a one, a one B situation Yeah, when he's a UFA, when he's a UFA. And so I yeah. think he's going to hit the market and Vegas and be like, Hey, we just moved on from our guy. You can come be the starter. And they'll just, it's groundhog's day. Yeah. So I'm sure this won't be the last time we talk about Vegas this off season. Um, as I expect them to kind of dominate a lot of the news cycle. Cause they're like out of necessity, like they have to do all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. uh, just to make it work. Um, so I'm sure we'll come back around to them, but mm-hmm. Riley Smith, at UFA too. Like they've got work to do, man, is what I'm saying. They've got yeah. a lot of work. And like the dead thing isn't like, that's a layup of a move, but that dude also was one of the only reasons that they were relevant at the end. Relevant. Of the year. Yeah. Th- the only reason why they even hung in as late as they did. All right. So let me ask you, and then we'll end this. And dude, also, like, let's do this more. Like, yeah. Any, yeah. Let's, let's do these types of shows more. Um, what kind of year does Vegas have next year? Oh, you can't ask me that before their offseason. <laughs> Because I have no uh, look. Say they made they they moved. They've got to be a playoff team, though, right? So let me let me. So this is where the Pacific Division helps them, because they they don't have to make drastic changes. Calgary has enormous changes potentially on the horizon this off season. So them they have a tenuous at best hold at the top of that division. Mm -hmm. Colorado's not going anywhere. Minnesota's not going anywhere. St. Louis not going anywhere. All of those teams should continue to be playoff teams. I don't playoff. know. I'm, I'm, Minnesota three I'm of three of eight. The, three yeah. of eight is what I'm is what I've got here. Right, 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 right. First, second, third in the central division. We'll see. But three of eight. Okay. So the, the for right now, that's the central's three. Calgary has problems, big time problems coming up. Uh Edmonton. Uh, <laughs> You're getting you're getting by with Miko Koskinen and a guy in his forties, right? Like you're getting by, it, without without the benefit of the Pacific Division. How good would that team be? I don't know, but they're in the Pacific Division again next year. <laughs> L.A. should get better. Yep. If they don't, <laughs> this whole wave of prospects that they've been that everybody's been crazy about for such a long time. Hasn't done anything then at that point if they don't get better. And you start to wonder, oh, God, what happened? Right. I don't know how Nashville repeats. Yeah. Dallas, I, I think, 
Yeah. Where's Dallas going to go? Dallas is Dallas is hanging on by a thread and they're maxed out money wise. Right. So I, I don't, I don't know. Vancouver has serious cap conversations. Mm -hmm. We talked about Winnipeg. The one thing on our checklist that we didn't get to the San Jose sharks. Are they ever going to be relevant again? We know they'll be expensive, but will (laughs) they be any good? Right. They're not getting any younger. They're only doubling down, quadrupling down, tripling down, whatever on this era. Yeah. Why, why, why am I believing that they're getting any better? Anaheim should be better. Full stop. Legit. I don't know why I would believe in a significant jump from any of Chicago, Seattle, or Arizona. Yeah. Chicago, I even think could go the other way. So you're saying, so, so I would say, I would say I don't foresee major jumps from San Jose, Chicago, Seattle, or Arizona. And I want to see what, uh, and I don't see enough of a drop off for me to worry about it from Colorado, Minnesota, St. Louis. And probably Calgary, but Calgary really does have some really big decisions. They'll look different. Yeah, but I think they'll be. I think they'll still be playoff good because the the real core of that group should still be together. Mm-hmm. But the the opening is there mm-hmm. for Vegas, especially in the Pacific, with Calgary, Edmonton, L.A. Like are those teams any better? And then Dallas and Nashville, like Dallas, the one a one line team with like an okay defense and good goaltending. Like Braden Holpe turned back the clock and gave them three months of exceptional goaltending that right. elevated their profile when they weren't playing any good. And uh, Nashville, driven by percentages as any team in recent NHL history, completely top end. All of their guys had career years and they got the eighth seed. <laughs> All of their top guy and their their rookies. Tanner Janot shot like 22% this year. Like Philip Tomasino should get better. So expect some improvement there. But all the other percentages crashing back and down and normalizing. I just I have a hard time buying that a bunch of guys are suddenly going to shoot 20% again. And that's assuming they bring Philip Forsberg back, which I do think happens. Which, I do, do think, you think it so? happens. I do, yeah. But if he doesn't, then I'm really out on Nashville. So I think all of this just to say, I think I think Vegas won't have to work very hard to get back into the postseason. But if we're ever going to look at them as a scary cup team again, there have got to be some changes, and they've got to get a lot of work. They've got to get a performance out of Jack Eichel that looks like the Jack Eichel they thought they were trading for, and not just the pretty good player that he was for them this year. Well, and and dude, like down the stretch, and I know, I know they're hurt, but again, that's part of your whole like, yeah, you made your own bed now, now laying it mm-hmm. type thing. But like, down the stretch, you got li- literally nothing from Mark Stone, literally yeah. nothing from Max Pacioretty, literally nothing from Jack Eichel, and then in the last game of the season, that's meaningless. All three of those guys score goals in that multi-point game. It's like. It's no surprise that when the pressure was off, they were all able to deliver because they weren't worried about it. They were just playing hockey. Yeah. And that's also part of your culture. The pressure is so high for them to produce, for them to, to win a cup, for them to, to make this count. The, pre- the, the, the expectations went from, well, we'll just see how this goes, to if you don't bring us a cup, this is a huge failure. Oh, oh, muted yourself. But yeah, no, dude, it's it, 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 it's. 
I, I just think that, that that pressure that they have every day in that building is too much. And I, I agree. They I need to let the, they need to let the players be the players. And they need to they need to ease up and just be like, look, we built we built what we think is a really good hockey team. Now go play hockey. I was gonna say tr- trust and, and and that's that's almost part of it. Like I, you know, I know Abs fans can sometimes get annoyed because for a long time Joe Sackick's favorite saying was, We like our group. And like well, you do right. Wanna, right. I was gonna say, like, you want to see him add, but like there is and again benefit of hindsight and they still have to climb the final mountain but like there, there's a lot to be said about the way that joe sackick has had the patient approach with all of this and he talked mm-hmm. about it earlier this year when they extended bednar of uh, he said look I, i'm not the kind of guy that l- likes to make changes as my as my first reaction to something i want to make what i have better right like and he made the point of like you know we put pieces in place and hired people and signed guys and traded for guys for a reason. And we wanted to give them some runway to show why we brought them in. And, you know, he was asked, did you guys ever consider moving on from Bednar after the first season? He was like, no, it was never even a conversation because we brought him in for a reason. And we trusted that we could, uh, the pineapple sized balls you have to have, to never consider changing regimes after you've lost <laughs> 60 games. Balls. Seriously, though. No, dude, I don't know how that guy wanders around just freely with balls that huge. And, and, and He's and privy to only... technology the rest of us aren't. <laughs> and not only to, like, stand by it, but to be like, yeah, no, we we brought him in for a reason, and we feel... Like he's going to get there and not just like, well, let's hold on and see what happens. Like, nope. Despite that result, I still know that guy is the guy I want. Well, and if like, they- that off season, what did they do? They were like, oh, let's, all right. We brought in Tyson Jost. We signed Alex Kerfoot. We, we brought in, we brought in some college kids. Dude, at the 48 Go point year. Go do it again, deadline, guys. Right. At the deadline, the 48 point year, they oh, did very on. little. It's a salty subject for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's a salty subject. They they did they did very little, you know? Yeah. And we're in the media school waiting for them to do something on our first ever like makeshift live show. Yeah. And they do nothing. Very little at least. And they trusted their process, they trusted their people, and they allowed them to to implement a culture that has led them to where they are now there's vegas hasn't ever you know let anything sit for long enough to get that type of result Mm -hmm. they've they have made so many changes at every turn even after they make a run to the stanley cup finals in their first year they didn't even run that back yeah well they couldn't (laughs) that was too true there were too many. You want to talk about percentages and crashing back to earth? Like, wow, Bill scored forty goals that year. Yeah. Well, and and um, I've heard a few people say, "Ah, oh, well, you know, if Vegas runs it back next year, they probably win the Pacific." It's like I they have can't. no, I I have no idea who wins the Pacific next year, but I'm not betting on Vegas to automatically be at the top unless they make 
some serious changes there. And that might even involve Pete DeBoer, man. I I agree. We haven't even had that conversation. Would you fire Pete DeBoer? I would. Okay. And it and it's not fully because of the playoff losses. Um what pushed me over that edge was last week with the Robin Leonard comments. Just say he's hurt, bro. Right. Why this KG bullshit? It's unnecessary. Well, and and then once they finally did say, yes, he's done, his I'm only concerned about the guys who are here gutting it out to win these games. It's like, really? Yeah. Right, right. dog. Like, if, if Robin Leonard could get his arm up above his head right now, he might sock you in the face. But luckily right, for right. you, he's got a torn labrum, and he can't do that to you. And, and and again, that's a hell of a thing to say after you pull a guy after giving up one goal in a 1-1 one, one game. Yeah, after making him play hurt. Right. Um, making him play hurt, but, like, knowing he was as, as right. badly injured as he was and being like, you're playing. We need you to go out there. Yeah. Yeah. I, um. Robin Leonard, Robin Leonard, people love to demonize him. And I get that, like, they're like, he's a complicated personality. Mm-hmm. But, dude, I've always, I've always loved Robin Leonard. But after all this, I'm just like, can somebody just get that man a hug? Like, straight up. Seriously. Can dude. somebody just give that man a hug and let him know, like, it's going to be all right? Well, and I felt bad for him. It feels like the whole city is coming down on him. And it yeah. just, it's, it sucks, dude. Like there are people that are demonizing him and all he did was try to gut out three months worth of hockey to, just to get them into the damn thing. Well, well and I, I felt bad when he spoke out against the protocol stuff last year. Cause I felt like a lot of people took what he said one out of context and two in yeah. a completely different way than how it was. Yeah. Well, and it's like when he was talking about his contract and how he makes less money than Markstrom and so many people took that to mean he was whining about it. And he's right. just like, no, like I signed that deal. Right, but right. Why do you think that I got offered less? Right. You know, like he, it, it wasn't, it wasn't like, well, poor me looking at how little money. It was like the Chris Pronger thread. Where he was like, yeah. here's a here are players' finances. Also, P.S. Chris Pronger, great addition to Twitter. Really Dude, interesting. Phenomenal. I, I mean, I, I love. I have I to wait for forty minutes for the full thread to come out and then <laughs> read it. But once it's done, great read. Chris, I love the. Uh, come on the pod and talk to us, brother. Just come and seriously. come and read your tweets to us, and we'll just interact. I love the um, travel thread about yeah. how when he was first in the league they all just flew coach i'm trying to picture i'm trying to picture chris pronger sitting middle seat on an airplane in 1993 like dude who is this monster of a human <laughs> yeah um cool aj this is a ton of fun dude uh yeah. we have so much hockey ahead of us i cannot wait i'm so excited for playoffs get going tomorrow um seriously let's you and i uh we'll find more time to carve out more shows like this hopefully yeah. everyone likes it uh, yeah i mean we'll be... really we get one of our most common requests is can you guys just talk about the league yeah okay great we'll just do it two we'll just do it in two hour chunks two hour ch- yeah two hours every few months we'll just get it yeah. all out of the way um so yeah no dude thanks for uh taking the time out um i have more writing to do i know you've got more writing to do so uh yep. appreciate you taking the time dude for us to do this Uh, Let us know if you guys like this, uh, if you guys want to hear more of stuff like this, and uh, 
AJ Hayfley, Jesse Montano. We are out of here for the day.